How many of you were listening to the words uh, in the, before service started with the music? Them words are important, buddy. I don't know about you. They're, they're very good for your head, good for your heart, good for your head. Uh, God's something. He knows just what to say and when to say it. Did you ever meet anybody so perfect timing as God? You know, we always think he's late, but when he shows up, we think, man, that was timely. <laughs> it's like we just get impatient, but when he shows up, it's perfect. Amen. If you would, uh, in your Bibles, those of you who have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That's going to be the main scripture tonight, the whole chapter. And uh, after that, it will be John 3.16. Through 21 and Matthew 13, 15. These are the fundamentals. If you, though I'm, those of you who are watching by live streaming, if you know anybody that likes to win souls, I would tell them to tune in. I would text them and tell them, tune in tonight. Uh, we have something for you. Okay? You've never heard me say that, so I believe I got something for you. I wouldn't say it. Anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Um, you know, I love every scripture that I'm reading. I'm just embarrassing, but every time I read something uh, and it speaks to me, it's the best scripture in the Bible, at least at that moment. <laughs> How many of you are really like that? When you're reading the Bible, all of a sudden it's the best scripture you ever heard. It's the one you're looking at, and then next week it's a different one. That's how living, the, the word of God is, do you know it's, you know it's living? It's, like it's not something dead. You're not reading words. You're living, you're reading living words. Living. And, and it's so powerful that it can separate the thoughts and the intents of your heart. It can separate all the stuff. I, I, the most clarity you get is when you're a Bible reader. Because God has like, this is what, about love. This is about money. This is about kids. This is about laziness. This is about productivity. This is about stewardship. This is about evangelism. This is about salvation. This is about the Holy Ghost. I mean, I think God expands your boxes in your head, especially if you're male, so he can keep inserting information in those places. And then the Holy Ghost retrieves it just when you need it. He pulls out of the pigeonhole and goes, read this one or, or, or say this. How many of you have a Holy Ghost does all your talking sometimes and you're witnessing and stuff? It's hard to witness without the Holy Ghost because he knows exactly what everybody needs. I said this to you before. In the prison, I, I would say Pastor James would feel the same way. I speak for him on this because we did it jointly for so long. But in the prison, if you could follow the Holy Ghost, you could really reach them guys. The Holy Ghost would have you navigate through that thing, buddy. And this, this guy gets something, this guy gets something. This, and they're all different. They're all from different parts of the world even. But the Holy Ghost is the best preacher you ever heard. And if you can get in tune with the Holy Ghost, you know, it's hard to get people to, to know the Holy Ghost because they get all religious up and they get into that performance stuff and they're saved, but they don't know God almost. Like God's really kind. God is really loving. God will correct you. He'll holler at you and buy you lunch the same day. I mean, he's a relational and when I figured that out, that was the best thing that ever happened to me because I knew God loved me no matter what kind of day I had. I told you, I'm going to give you a couple of stories. I always do. Um, I was mean and grumpy. It was wintertime, January, February. Washed cars all day. It was cold. I was all wet. <laughs> Come in the house. Uh, those of you who have ever worked outside and got wet in wintertime, it's not a fun job. But anyway, I come in, my elbows are hurting, I'm sore, and I'd injured my elbows over the years doing work, other kind of work. 
and I'm grumpy. I sit down and eat my dinner and I go in and sit in the living room and Brother Hagin's on TV and I'm, I'm not in a good mood. Now, I mean, I'm grumpy. And he says, there's somebody out there with their elbows. Lay hands on both your elbows right now. God's going to heal them. Amen. Grumpy and all, I went. <laughs> that grumpiness didn't stop me from wanting my healing. I can tell you that. And even though my attitude wasn't right, God was right. You know what I mean? And he healed both my elbows. I still have to take care of them. But they ain't anywhere near. Have you ever slept and you couldn't move your arm? You had to get it with the other arm because your elbow hurts so bad? Stuff like that. And God healed me in spite of my grumpiness and attitude. See, you can't go by how you feel. You've got, you got to go by how your faithfulness, God's, if you're faithful to God. You know, being faithful doesn't create euphoric feelings. Sometimes your faithfulness takes you into places you don't even like. Uh-oh. You ever, the Bible says you have to keep your word to your own hurt. That's one of the siftings you go through. That's one of the siftings. Keeping your word to your own hurt. Like if you make a mistake and it's going to cost you $1,000, you're supposed to keep your word even if you have to make payments. Like your word, by your, your words are what builds your life. And I'll tell you what, if a word costs you $1,000, you don't talk so much. <laughs> you, learn to, you learn to make sure your tongue's connected to your character. Because you know if you talk beyond your character, you gotta write a check. So all of a sudden, you're connected. Isn't it interesting how you can really hook up with yourself when you know it's gonna cost you something? Amen. Well, when your Christianity costs you, you become more calculated. And I don't mean like cunning. I mean, you, you don't say things that you can't back up or don't mean. You know, I, when you're young, you know how it is. You think you'll die for Jesus and everything. And now I just pray that he, I'll do the right thing at the right time. I don't, I don't trust myself now that I'm older. I trust him to keep me. So my pressure went on his character and not mine. Did that make sense? So, we're going to talk about evangelism. It's really about love for lost people. And I would like you to see how Paul is. This, Paul was a sinner. He had Christians killed and he put them in jail and he held a coat while they stoned Stephen. And this guy has a marginal history, <laughs> to, be, to say it lightly. And yet he's who God chose to write 60% of the New Testament because he, when he was born again, he literally became somebody else. You're laughing. I was over there looking at baptismal. And I was thinking, we need some people in here who want to die. <laughs> Don't laugh. But, you know, that represents death to the old guy. Maybe we should get in every week for a while. <laughs> I thought somebody would laugh. Okay, it's full. It's right now. It's ready. It's over there. Right, right now. We could do it all tonight. <laughs> Amen. You, the Bible said repent and be baptized, right? So we should be able to lead them to Jesus, baptize them, get them filled with the Holy Ghost the same day. That's the goal. Yeah. Amen. 2 Corinthians 4. Now, Paul got a lot of mercy. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, everybody could say that statement. We all have a ministry, right? Some of you, your work's your ministry. You're doing good things at work. You're doing what you need to do. But anyway, as we have received mercy, we faint not. In other words, we know what we're supposed to do. This is a God-given responsibility. And we've gotten so much mercy from God because we were so flaky, we don't faint in dealing with you. 
Hallelujah. In other words, you know that you're flaky and you don't faint when other people are flaky. Sometimes that's really hard to do. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Now, this is what he calls dishonesty. This is religion. This is why you lead people to you or to the church, but you don't lead them to God because you're still preaching you instead of Jesus. And now you might not think you are, but when you preach Jesus, you're off the hook the whole way. But when you preach, try to look good while you're doing it, then you're the, you're the one that's in the way of them receiving Jesus. Okay. Listen to what the dishonesty is. Not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. These are Christians that handle the word of God deceitfully so they can get a certain behavior out of people. He calls it deceit. Isn't that interesting? I always say this. We thought if people behaved for us that they were really good Christians and all they did was make us happy and become actors and made us happy. But meantime, they, they're miserable inside and they go home and hate life. I say that all the time. Now, if you sincerely love them, you will allow them to be themselves long enough so they can get better. So you have to let that happen. I'm repeating a lot, but this is where we're at. Because the people are going to come in here, and I, and I firmly believe this, they're going to come in really scared and really mess, messy. Okay? They don't need no fakes. They're going to come in already have been lied to before they got here. They're not going to know what the truth is, and they're not going to necessarily believe it just because you said it. They're going to be looking for truth, and they're probably going to shop around until they find it. And I don't mean that bad. It could be Buddha. could be all kinds of religions. But we have, the only, we have the real God, the only God. God is not a man that he should lie. God, God tells the truth all the time. But here, here's, the, here's the part where you've got to be yourself, and whatever you look like, you look like. But by manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That means you're living and I'm letting your conscience decide if I'm honest or not or real. And I'm not going to sell you. I'm not going to convince you. I'm going to live my life in transparency. And it says uh, it to every man's conscience and in the sight of God. The power is in your transparency and your sincerity, not in your perfection. I'm, I hope this don't make y'all get uncomfortable, but you could be real good in here and you could be hollering at your kids in Don Eric Kroger, man, 47 people from other churches watching you. It is what it is. It is what it is. It could happen. Your kids can make you that crazy right there. And your husband could. Anything go on. It's tr tell me it isn't true. Okay, so you can look good, but do bad sometimes. And you know you got to live with that. you got to live with that. So, but if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. If you're looking a certain way, you're hiding God because in your transparency is the only way he can get through. You got to be yourself to be effective evangelist. Okay? In whom, now see, here's two things. If our gospel's hid, it's hid to them that are lost because if we're putting on an act 
they're not seeing God because they can only see real. This will be the best illustration of God. Ray and I, uh, years ago, 91 or two, like I said, all that time, when God was talking about winning souls in the last days and he's turning the page and all that, he said, when you wear a mask, he says, you block out the light available to you, but your mask only lets people see a little bit. And what Pastor Ian saw was the light coming out around the mask's eyes and ears. See, if you got a mask on, you're hiding God. When you're fake, you're hiding God. He can't find, the people can't find God because you got this image that's just not true and they can't see it because only when you're like glass and transparent can they see him. Okay? That is, now look, I'm not promoting bad behavior. But that is why you've got to let people be themselves in church till they get better so they can actually do the work of the ministry. I'm, don't flinch. How many of you got all plugged in and you weren't ready and you got so discouraged as a Christian because you were trying to do things you weren't ready for because your character hadn't changed and you was miserable and felt like you failed and wanted to leave church? Look, that's easy to figure out, isn't it? I know them feelings. you got to be yourself long enough so they can find him. Now, so since, think about it. If you're not fully transparent, then you got the devil. So you got two things where people can't see. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, should shine unto them. Think about it. If you're not being real and the devil's blinded their eyes, they don't have a very big chance of getting saved, do they? It's really hard to get somebody out of that situation. The best thing you could, this sounds so hard because I look so bad. You know, we, he was telling, remember, he said, you, I remember where, I, where you were when I found you. You've heard, he, she's singing it, but I've heard, I remember where I was when God found me. I never forget it because I don't want to. I don't live there, but I never forget it. Because that's what keeps me right. Knowing who I was without him is, makes me what appreciate him now that I have him. It's good. Keeps you right. Keeps you straight. I, I know this sounds funny, but he didn't find us like we are right now. He found us in other condition than that. So, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the gospel should shine them. Now, verse 5, here we go. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. So, when you're talking, you have to use a part of yourself because I believe your testimony or your witness is what God did for you is one of the most powerful things. But I can tell you this, if it, it should always make God look good and not you be a great Christian <laughs> because the testimony is what God did for you. Paul said, he tells the worst thing he did. He says, I, you know, I, I held the coats while they killed Stephen. I put him in jail and uh, I, God got me and I've not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. He told the whole story. 
A lot of us don't tell the whole story. We tell just enough to look good, but we don't want to look bad. You know what I mean? You just tell partial truth. So you don't have any power because it's not a real testimony. It's missing a few key elements, one of them being what you were before and what you are now. Amen. So, uh, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. You know, when you can have a dark heart. There's a transparency that has to come into your heart so you can see what you are. I, I think that, I really think that looking at yourself is really hard and you've got to be brave. You've got to be brave to look at yourself because some of this stuff that we did made other people's lives so hard and so complicated. It is so painful to look at, it's almost more than you can bear. Does anybody hear me? It can be so bad. The, the situations you created could be so bad that they're just hard to look, they're really hard to look at. Anyway, in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, this is who you are. Now, if you're not a tongue talker, I, I don't know where your boldness and strength comes from. See, you can be, see, building, building yourself up on your most holy faith is what Jude says, okay? Your spirit man has to be strong in order to do it right. I think you can do it in the carnal realm, and you can get some carnal, carnal things done. But nothing is like the Holy Ghost ministry. Nothing. Nothing. Um, how do I explain it? See, you have the dunamis power of God in you, but it won't operate unless you build it up by praying in the Holy Ghost. And if you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're usually really, really strong. When Paul says, I prayed in the Spirit, prayed in tongues more than all of you, I think that's why he could be as strong as he was. I don't know that I've ever seen somebody, I see people strong in themselves, but to be strong in God, you've got to pray in tongues a lot. And in tongues is where you build up the Spirit man, and the Spirit man is the one that really gets things done and tells the other guy what to do, remember? All right. So... We have this treasure in earthen vessels. In, we have a treasure. You are a treasure inside. Inside of you, there's a treasure to give a gift. In earthen vessels. Skin. Inside of your skin is a treasure inside of you. Okay? It means you're a valuable container. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The power is when you represent him. It diminishes when you represent you. It weakens it. Now, we all have an element of us in everything we do, okay? I'm sure of that. And I'm going to go back to Dr. Rebecca's illustration. I have no idea where she got it. I've said it probably 50 times. But it's about the water hose. I drink out of water hoses still in my yard. I don't care, you know. But they do taste like water hose. Well, she said, when the Holy Ghost comes through you, that's what it tastes like. And the more you die, the more pure the water becomes. So the container that it comes through, well, you will always have a flavor of you. Um, 
But the more you're dead to where you, where you can get there and say, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of Man, who gave his love me and gave his life for me. The deader you are, the more pure your words. But I, I, I said this, I think, last week or the week before. I'll say it again. Them, them grass feeders with the bottle underneath that the hose puts out and the fertilizer gets up in the hose and sprays out with the water. That container is you. And if you do a lot in the Holy Ghost, there's still a siphon in your person that siphons out you. That's why you can get empty when you do ministry. Like you could be so empty that you're like a zombie. If you, if you do enough ministry... That you siphon out the life out of you and it gets mixed with the God. And you can get all wore out doing ministry. Anointed ministry, I think, wears you out. So there will always be an element of depletion that you will have to go replenish through rest, prayer, and study to be strong again. And it's okay to be tired and not want to do it because you're wore out. Like... I mean, it's, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I tell everybody, don't you dare talk to me on a Sunday night after 6 o'clock. You're wasting your time. I'll probably get really mean because I'm, I'm empty, especially if I did a lot during a week before I did ministry. Um, you know, we, because of what we do, we don't have one of those ministries where I just sit around and think about preaching. We run a business almost with the shortwave, and there's a whole lot goes on that just a minister don't have to do. I, I'm an administrator, money manager, and all those things in the same pile. There's a lot that goes on. It's like having a couple jobs. It's not like having one job. But anyway, so did you ever feel empty when you were done with people? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Part of you goes out, and you got to go take care of that. Well, the praise team has to do it because, see, I actually believe that the anointing comes out of them, and they feel the same way. I just do. I just do. Pastor James, can I give you, i got to use you as an illustration. You're, you got some good ones. We went to, when we went to Periopolis, okay, he can get up and even jump in on this one. He, he can tell Rattel better, but we went to Periopolis, and I needed him to preach for me, and it was like the first year or six months or something, okay? And I, there's a lot of, there was a lot of witches up there. I mean, like, there's this lady driving around with Wicca One on her Mercedes. I mean, it was a, Periopolis is a coven, okay? So it's loaded. Well, every time I wasn't there, somebody would come in and do weird things. Like, nobody would show up for three months, and then I'd leave, and some, a whole bunch of crazy people would come in with flags and come in with all kind of crazy stuff. He went up there one Sunday, and he preached. He got so tired when he came home, he went to bed. <laughs> he went to bed. Did you sleep till the next day? <laughs> you don't remember. I, I know you said I've never been so wore out. It wore him out because I was going up with an apostolic anointing and trying to create a space in the spirit. And he came up behind me as a spiritual son and a pastor. But the apostolic is what made the space for it to happen. And he wasn't used to that. He goes, ain't nothing like preaching down here at the church. It was a tough, because it was resistance. And that resistance in the spirit makes you tired. Sometimes 
Ministers got to get out of the territory to have rest because the warfare is so high in the region they're in. And if you're the one that's sent there, see, I know that I'm sent to this region, so I, I know I got what it takes to do it, but it don't mean I don't get tired. But I'm never af afraid because I know I'm sent. Do you understand? That's why I, I'm going to back up now and play a different tape for a minute. That's why I always tell you, you must wait until you know that you know before you engage in a fight. These people that go out and try to do ministry and start things without knowing and just thinking they can go anywhere and do everything, I think that's terrible. I think you got to know your scent because when you know your scent, you got the confidence in the anointing to do it. And if you don't know your scent, you're always asking yourself, wonder if I should be here. <laughs> wonder if this is where I belong. Wonder, I wonder. I wonder. You're wondering everything because you didn't settle it. The Bible says, thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. Once it is settled that you belong there, you stay there till you, God sends you somewhere else. And see that God always tells you where he wants you to go next. So if you just leave without knowing, you get messed up. You know, you gotta, you gotta, God tells you what he wants you to do next. He gives you another assignment. God's into rewards for responsibility. Remember, he said the reward is if you've done, given my, done it right, he'll give you more. So with God, it's usually an increase of weight or an increase of responsibility. That's why God has to stretch you and you have to do things that you're not comfortable with. You might think it's a natural stretching, but it's really a spiritual stretching because if he has to start pushing you and making you get bigger and how many of you just can't wait to be stretched? It's hard sometimes. <laughs> I mean, it's just a challenge, but it's part of the deal. So, uh, here we go. We are troubled on every side. Take that out. I'm joking. <laughs> Yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. God, he's, he's saying that there's another level in your faith that's higher that you can go through trouble and not be discouraged and in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body. Here we go. The dying. Ooh. Of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Your carnal man that likes all the carnality is dying and the spirit man is getting stronger every day. And if that's not happening to you, you're probably feeling stuck. Now you don't, the problem is you don't recognize this too well because the trouble's going on and you could, all you're thinking about is the trouble. But at the end of the trouble, you will find out how much you've grown. It's just, it's just the way it is. It's kind of like a weightlifter. Here, I'll, I'll tell you one. I'm going to go into football for a minute, just because. How many of you remember the 80s Steelers, right? 1980s, they were world champions over and over and over again, Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, I was listening to, to Joe Green one time talk about Mike Webster, which was the center. When Mike Webster started, Joe Green and Elsie Greenwood and all them, I guess, they just threw Webster around the first year, okay? Well, he decided that wasn't going to happen no more. So he spent the next year getting stronger. He got so strong that during practice the next season 
somebody said, you know, Joe Green asked the other guy, he says, why isn't he moving? Why don't you just get him out of the way? He says, well, something's different this year. Joe Green says, well, I'll move him. He went and went to push Webster, and he couldn't do anything with that man. And he said, he, got, <laughs> he really got a lot stronger since last year. I think that sometimes you just don't know, but you get stronger by doing what you're supposed to do. And Webster became an all-pro center for years for the Steelers, but it, he, had, he just did what he needed to do, and he got strong enough. I figure he had a lot more confidence when all them big guys couldn't handle him no more. But you see, you don't know it until you engage the next time. So you get stronger, but the next skirmish you're in, you think, this took me out last time. I wanted to quit when I got here. Anybody bear witness to what I'm saying? Anyhow. For we are always delivered unto death for Jesus, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our flesh. I think there's some, my personal feelings on that is I use that for one of my health scriptures, that, the, that my mortal flesh, it sounds weird, but I know that if my will dies, I'm getting permeated with God. In other words, I'm getting more of God when I'm dying, and I feel like it helps my body be right, because God is healing. God, you know, you're, you're filling your vessel with God, more of God. Remember, that's how I, I stopped smoking. I almost said I quit. I didn't quit. I stopped. I just asked God one day, you know this, those you come here. I, there was an older car. Anybody wants to quit smoking? Or no, anybody wants more God? Come on up here. So I went up there. That's safe. That's the safest altar call you can have is somebody asking you, anybody who wants more God, come on up. I went up for the altar call. I went back and sat down. I went home and sat in my recliner, looked at the football game, and saw the ashtray and the cigarette butts. And I knew I never smoked that day. And I knew I was never going to smoke again because, see, I put enough God in that it just pushed out the other. The more God you get in, it just pushes out healing. I mean, it pushes out sickness, pushes out disease, pushes out a lot of things. Sometimes we go to these people and we got to fix me. Give me a word, fix me. Give me, a, I, need a, I need counsel. I need this, I need that. I, I can tell you, if you just keep filling the vessel up, somehow it pushes all that stuff out. I don't know how. I just know it works. I know if you keep putting God in, it just keeps filling it up and the bad stuff starts overflowing and coming out. And before you know it, you got a cleaner and more pure vessel, a more pure stream. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Your strength is in your spirit. And we've been trying to do this in, the, in this country with our skills and our thoughts. But you, the devils will never respect flesh. They only listen to spiritual authority, period. They make fun of you when you operate in carnality, because that is their realm. You must have a strong spirit to be dominant over demonic power. Remember the sons of Sceva, right? Beat them up and run them home naked. That's a whooping. That's a bona fide whooping. And they knew the difference. They said, Jesus I know and Paul I knew. And who are you? Because I don't know who you are. And they just beat him up. They was going to see if they had anything. You see, the, remember Jesus said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. And Peter found out what he was not by the sifting. If you, if you don't like sifting, you're not going to know much about yourself. 
The sifting is what reveals your weaknesses and what you're not. And all I'm a, and remember, when you look at the men and women in the Bible, this is this is a painful but good principle. I got it from Charles Stanley out of a tape series. Peter, Mr. Pride, wrote the book on humility, 1 Peter 1 through 5. His weakness became his strength. John, the son of thunder that said, call fire down, let's kill them all, I'm done. He's John the beloved, and he wrote the book about love. God, see, he knows what, sure, I'm just preaching to myself, got convicted of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> How you like that? It just works up here too, you know. Yeah, really, there's no difference. I know I have a leadership role and it's responsibility and I'm supposed to do the best job to lead you guys and do my job. But let me tell you something. I got to live by everything I say. No different than either one, any of one of you. Anyway, so we all saw that John, uh, the son of thunder, wrote about love. John the Beloved. The son of thunder put his head on Jesus' chest scripturally. He loved him. The guy who was bad, fight in a minute, became John the Beloved. Peter was independent, wanted to do what he wanted to do. And this is real painful. To, the whole Bible's true sometimes. That's a problem. It's not a problem. But do you ever read things you don't like? Peter... He says, when you get old, they're going to make you go places you don't even want to go. How do you like that for a prophetic word? Thus saith God. When you get old, you're going to have to do what you don't want to do, and somebody's going to make you do it. That's a good one. <laughs> but that's what they told him, and he was led away to his death. Some things you think maybe he don't need to know, huh? Peter stayed faithful to the end, though, didn't he? Because of the process. The guy who flaked out and denied him was the very man that died for him. Please don't be upset with yourself wherever you are. Even the psychologists and the natural people say you've got to love yourself. I'm telling you, it's okay if you know what you're not, but I promise you, if you let him in... He will gradually transform everything you are into somebody else. The guy that, the hidden man of the heart, the one that's on the inside, the guy that's smothered is the guy that he's trying to make grow. Because when you got born again, you got that never dying spirit being inside you. That's the one that can transform your outer life. That's where all your dreams are. That's where all your money is. That's where all your things you, you hold in your heart that you want to do before you die. They come out of this guy. They don't come out of here. They come out of here. If they come out of your emotions, but they're still not out of here, the emotions aren't strong enough. You need that anointing to do it. The things that I did in, 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 when I started Carlot, it's because I heard the word of faith. It wasn't because I, I wanted, my, my family's full of dreams that never happened. All the men. They did jobs they hated and they, they, did, they never did what was in them. Then they, you know when you don't do what's in you, you're negative a lot, right? Critical and negative. That's, that's one of the evidence that you're not looking right. Because a person of faith isn't looking how it can't. It's seeing how it can. 
I just watched it. You know, I love boxing. You guys know that. I love, I love all that male stuff. I hope it doesn't sound about it. Gladiator, all them things. Just what I, I just think that's how it works. This one fighter, he, he's going to fight Tyson. And he lasted the whole fight with Tyson, which is a miracle in itself, because nobody ever lasted with Tyson. He said, well, he said, uh, he's going to do this, he's going to do that. He said, well, I really wasn't thinking of what he was going to do to me. I was thinking what I'm going to do to him. I mean, that's perspective. He wasn't thinking about getting hurt. He was thinking about hurting someone. That's a fighter. The point was, he wasn't thinking about failure. He was thinking about success. And when you're up against Mike Tyson, that's a big thought. But he went to full fight. Never got taken out. That, like I said, that's just phenomenal to me because I watched it and I watched the blows that Mike gave. And I'm thinking, this guy had it in his head. He's got a shot. And they, they said it again. It's real hard to convince a guy he's losing when he don't want to lose, isn't it? And that, you know what's funny? That was one of Mike Tyson's statements. It's real hard to beat a guy that don't want to lose. Aha. Uh -huh. It's real hard to beat somebody that don't want to lose. They just keep digging and they keep scratching. They keep digging and they keep scratching on the inside. This is, that's why if you're going to win souls, it's the same kind of thing. You don't see people not making it. You see them making it. I'm going to give you scripture for it. So, Death works, I'm in verse 12. Death works in us, but life in you. The better we're dead, the more you're going to get from us. Okay? The deader we are, the more power we're going to have to minister to you. We, now, we quote this all the time. We have, this is, but it's written in the context of how you're going to influence people. We have the same spirit of faith according to what was written. I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Now, listen to the faith of this guy. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and present, shall present us or to present us with you. He's saying, I believe this gospel is so powerful. This, this, this scripture has helped me in the middle of leading people to Jesus because I see them presented with me on that day. I see it. I just see it. I know they're going to be standing with I think it's so powerful that they can stand with me. So I want to tell them. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is where the power is. That's why you don't preach you. You preach him. I know people got testimonies and everything, but your testimony has to show what God did for you, not what you went through and are still damaged. Please forgive me. You can't take them halfway. If there's no victory in your testimony, you're not giving them nothing. Got to be victory. Can't all be misery and gloom and despair and agony on me. has to be victory. Victory, 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 victory. That was Norval. That was Dr. Sumrall. That was Ken Copeland. 
Happy Caldwell, go down a list of all the faith preachers. It was about victory. Fred Price, all those guys. That faith movement, you know what it was. People got mad because it challenged their character so bad. Because, <laughs> see, you had to do what they said, you couldn't just do it and not believe it because it wasn't any fun. <laughs> you had to actually own it to do it, which meant you had to hear enough Bible to have faith to say what they said. You don't just say it because, you know, it's, it's pretty boring to say things you don't believe, don't you think? Pretty hard, hard to do, hard to say things all day you don't believe. But when you believe them, you can't, you can't be quiet. You can't be quiet. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. For this cause, this is a, such a crucial scripture, verse 16. For this, which cause we faint not, though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is re renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works a far exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look at which things which are seen, we look not at what things are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Focus. I'm as guilty. I look at them people on the news and it'd like to drive me nuts. If I do it too much, I am nuts. Don't tell me you don't go nuts watching that trash. You want to vindicate everybody that's been beat up and burned and treated bad and lied to and stolen from. Aside from that, the news is great, huh? It's hard to take. Hard to take. Watch that thing about um, Hawaii. I'm thinking, can't you help them people? We fly everything all over the world. It's our state. But you'd have to study that for yourself. We're not going to make this about that. But it's something that got stuck in my crawl this morning. Anyway. So we're looking at what's not seen. How do you see what's not seen? Then I'm going to close. Faith has eyes. That's how. Faith has eyes. All I can tell you is when I believe it, I, I see it. And see, I believe so strong in the gifts. I, 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 when Rena tells me something that's prophetic, I say, tell her, I see it. I'm looking right at her. Her words paint a picture. I'm not going, it's a vision. It's, it's just something that I don't even know that I'm, my natural eye sees it. But when they say it, I see it and perceive it. Now, Hannah was singing before church. I saw every word. I saw every word. And it's what I prayed today. I saw every word as it came out of her mouth. I saw the picture and I don't know if you were listening to it. God was asking us a question. Well, when God asks a question in the praise and worship or the pre-praise and worship, you should listen. I mean, God is talking to you, asking you a question. If you don't know anything anybody said to you all day long, you should know that word. You should know that question because he decided to vocally speak through a servant. His heart 
And that means, I'm not saying you should have forgot everything you did today, but if you didn't remember nothing out of the day, that's the one to remember. That's the one one that'll put you over. It was so encouraging if you were listening. And that stuff for me, because I'll be honest with you, I feel like I'm in warfare all day, every day, every day of my life. Those little nippets and nuggets there, my God, they're good for me. I hope it's recorded. I don't know. I always tell them, don't you miss nothing. You stick that recorder on every time somebody starts anything before 9 o'clock, you put that baby on. Because if nobody wants to listen to it, I do. I want to hear it again and again and again and again because faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. And I can even quote them to you and sing them to you, but you know what? But I like listening to them. They, when I listen to them, they do something different than when I sing them. When you listen to them, they're going in your spirit and making you strong. Hallelujah. This is a half a faith message, half a vanity. See, you need faith to do anything, so you've got to put faith in every message. Faith has to be in every single message because you can't be effective without it. It's impossible to please God without faith. What is faith? Faith has something you see. Faith is where the will of God is known. Faith comes where the will of God is known. Faith comes where the will of God is known. He said, I'm, I don't want anyone to perish. I want all to come to everlasting life. So every one of us should have the faith to do what he said. Because that's his will. His will, his will. His will is clear. Sometimes people think they need 27 words to do the one set, the thing that's already been written in the Bible. Having faith in the written word of God is where your real power comes from. And then a rhema word on top of that. But having faith in the Logos is powerful. It's powerful, 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 powerful. I, I always say you could tell if somebody got faith because the way they talk. If you heard people talking, you know whether they got it or not. Because faith has a sound. It has a sound. And you could be around some of the greatest people, but that don't mean you hear that sound. Faith has a sound. It's something that you can hear when it's coming out of their mouth. It carries an anointing. It carries power. It carries weight to bring itself to pass. If you would, would you stand to your feet? Jesus, we're just glad to be here. We remember where you, we were when you found us. You asked us. You, you said, I remember where you were when, we found you, when I found you. I'm glad, God, and I don't, don't let me forget either. God, thank you that you saved us. Thank you, God, that our heart will be so full of the love of God that shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost that we'll have so much love for people we can hardly stand it. And give us the grace to take the blows of the unbelief and the wicked things they might say. But I thank you, God, we're so full. It don't matter. We got spare, spare faith to God. You sowed your son into the world by faith. You obey your own commands. You sowed your son even though you knew everybody wasn't going to accept him, but you did it anyway for the ones that would. Give us that heart. Well, we'll do it, Lord, for the ones that will and just keep moving and not worry about the ones that don't. Let us not look at the people that don't. Let us see the people who want it, God. And believe it is powerful enough that we'll stand together on that day next to each other. 
and present each other to you, Lord. Present ourselves to you. Jesus, thank you that you died for whoever would. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, Father, I thank you that tonight we're going to take some of this home, God. We're going to meditate on it, think about it. We're going to read 2 Corinthians 4 again. And we're going to see that the same scripture we use every week for offering God, it's really evangelistic. It's really an evangelistic word, God. But we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the Holy Ghost to help us learn. And thank you for victory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Love you all. Uh, Pastor Ian is preaching Sunday. Hey, hey, I wanted to tell you one thing. The, uh, what's it called? I know the class I teach it all. The, the foundation, Firm Foundations class is the right after Memorial Day or uh, Labor Day. Yeah, thank you. I need help on it. I just didn't want it to pass tonight. Those of you who want to recover your foundations, I suggest you go to the class. And those of you who might bring somebody, you're going to laugh. You can bring them to church for the class and let them go home if they don't want to stay for church. I don't really care how they get here. If they don't like church, ask them if they just want to learn something about the Bible and bring them. And go into class. This is going to sound, this is going to cost you. You have to go into class with them. You got to cost you something. You're gonna have to take them, bring them in, sit down next to them. Hey, how you doing? I brought you coffee today. Hope you like the class. And then just stare. Don't say nothing. Let them think. You understand what I'm trying to tell? I'm telling you, just be be people, be regular people. If they leave and they can't take no more, I just told everybody about Alicia Sunday. I said that she had to stay out. Remember how long did you stay out for Alicia? A long time. Year, for a year she couldn't come in here. Because she couldn't stand the, mu- the music and the praise and, and all the things. And I imagine all them all the demons that you got don't like to hear that. And you get tormented. And she stayed out there. But now she goes to Bible school and does stuff. And she learned a lot. And she got, she's full of the Holy Ghost. I mean, but, but if you make it so narrow they can't get in, you ain't going to get nobody in. You just got to let them, let them come in and see what they do. That's all. I'm not telling you let them do, come in sin here and sin. But... She wasn't sinning. She just couldn't take it, but she wanted to be here because she knew she belonged here. So she stayed even though she didn't like it. How do you like that? See, that's a great trait. That's a great trait. You have to like everything. You just got to know what you're supposed to do. That's the big one. We love you. We appreciate you. Thanks you for letting me share my heart with you tonight. God bless all of you. Amen.